Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This is Ahmed Zappa. You're listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology, the fucking best show there is. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Well, hello again, Martin Popoff, back again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon, pleased as always to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, so this episode, episode 35, we are going to call Circumstances, Rush and Judas Priest in the 70s. This came from an idea that I've always had, uh, an amusing thought I've always had, a connection I've always had between uh, the the similarities between the careers of Rush and Judas Priest in the 1970s. I mean, I also uh, want to do and probably will do at some point an episode comparing Iron Maiden and Judas Priest in the 90s, which uh, which also has many, uh, you know, amusing uh, comparisons between the two. But no, I, I wanted to do this one, and I hope what falls out of it, you know, besides being kind of like a fun, cool, you know, uh, intellectual exercise in connectivity— um, you know, I want to make the point about uh, what it was like for these bands in the 70s and how being in a band uh, in the 70s had a certain uh, interesting blueprint for better, for worse, for both, actually, and and how Rush and Judas Priest uh, exemplified uh, what was going on there. Okay, so... Um, Let's start off with uh, some music, and then we will uh, we will start uh, drawing these comparisons. Hope you enjoy the ride. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Judas Priest with Never Satisfied. Hey, 
All right. So I wanted to kick off with Priest. First of all, uh, you know, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Of course, this is five songs. I had to pick three from one band, two from the other. I went with more from Judas Priest because we've done we've done a, a you know an episode that uh, celebrated the great Neil Peart. Um, we've done another Rush related episode, but there was no Rush in that. That was about bands. Uh, if you like Rush, these are other bands. Perhaps you might want to try out. That was a very popular episode. Um, but no, I wanted to start with, uh, I, so I've, I've chosen three Judas Priest songs, and I wanted to start with Judas Priest. But let's go back before this. So um, the, the first interesting comparison is that both of these bands had their first record out in 1974, yet they'd both been going essentially in one form or another since literally like 1969. Um, so... Both of these bands had a long gestation period. You could say uh, both of them definitely paid their dues. Uh, it's a different kind of dues paying uh, than, than um, you know, other bands have gone through. Both of these bands, Rush and Judas Priest, essentially stayed fairly local um, during their gestation period. Uh, Priest probably went a little further afield, but, you know, England's a smaller place. Um, but no, they both stayed essentially local. Another difference would be that uh, Judas Priest had many, many members uh, going through uh, the situation. In fact, uh, by the time they um, by the time they uh, they have their first album out, there are uh, hang on a sec. Is there one original member or no original members? Uh, but anyways, Rush is essentially uh, the same guys that started out with uh, you know well two thirds of them obviously uh, Neil and that's that's another difference we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, but no, Judas Priest, you know, five members in and out, all sorts of different things going on. Uh, you know, big, big changes, the difference in the lead singer from Al Atkins to, to Rob Halford. But uh, yeah, five years of a gestation period until their first album, Judas Priest's first album. Again, another comparison coming up here. It feels like the demo version of what that band would become. Uh, there's a very, very clear comparison between the Rock and Roll album and the Sad Wings of Destiny album. Uh, this literally sounds like the demo version of uh, of uh, of Sad Wings of Destiny. Uh, from everything from the production uh, to the arrangements to the to the songwriting prowess that was gained between the two. Rush also in 1974, they have an album that isn't quite the demo version of say Fly By Night, but it's the demo version of the Rock and Rollsy songs on Fly By Night and the Rock and Rollsy songs on uh, on Caress of Steel, but um they actually are quite a different band. They're this Bad Company Led Zeppelin type band. They're led by their drummer John Rutsey. So we don't have Neil at this point. Um, but yeah, so so essentially, uh, but you could say it is kind of the demo version of a form of Rush. It's a it's a pretty stripped back, jammy sort of record. It's a little bit like Black Sabbath's uh, first album, Black Sabbath. Um, so yeah, there's your other uh, comparisons there. Um, but let's move on. More comparisons are coming uh, our way, I promise. Take a listen to this. This is Judas Priest once again with Island of Domination. Okay, so 
The main comparison I want to make here is that both bands in 1976, and uh, and I have a date here comparison for you. Is it our 1976 date? Uh, hang on, uh, it is our. Uh, it is our. No, we're gonna we're gonna compare in 1977. So, 1976, both bands. Um, essentially make their career-defining album, the, the album that put them on the map. I mean, Rush had a little bit of a blip with Fly By Night, then they had a bit of a dip with Caress of Steel, but Sad Wings of Destiny is considered their first classic. It's their second album. Rush's first classic, quote-unquote, is actually their fourth album. Um, but Rush's uh, classic, uh, you know, defining album is 2112. A lot of people consider it, you know, the greatest, if at least one of the greatest Rush albums. I mean, Moving Pictures obviously comes into the conversation too, but very often people pick 2112. So essentially, uh, yeah, 1976, Judas Priest's classic, Sad Wings of Destiny, 1976, Rush's classic, 2112. Another interesting thing is that um, uh, Rush... uh, you know, ditch their original drummer. Um, and then their drummer makes a huge difference in the band, Neil Peart. He's the, he's the, um, he's the lyricist and he's also one of the greatest drummers of all time. Judas Priest, it doesn't quite work that way. Uh, John Hinch is out of the band and he's replaced by Alan Moore, but Alan Moore won't be there next time. But, you know, both bands are, uh, are looking at that drummer, uh, position and thinking we got to make some changes here. So they both do that. Another comparison, um, Sad Wings of Destiny is recorded at Rockfield in Wales, and uh, and Rush would soon be recording at Rockfield in Wales for a farewell to Kings and for uh, and for Hemispheres. Okay, so uh, so yeah, let's take a little break here from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Okay, back again on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. We have to complete uh, the thought that we started with uh, with Judas Priest in 1976. Um, so let's take a listen to this. This is Rush in 1976 with A Passage to Bangkok. Right. So another point I wanted to make is that, um, you know, with 2112 and and with the following Rush albums and with the following Priest albums and with a little bit of Sad Wings of Destiny, um, we're looking at a certain lyrical world. Uh, It's a combination of a few things. We're going to hear science fiction out of both bands. We're going to hear mythology out of both bands. We're going to hear, in a sense, uh, religion out of both bands. We're going to hear timelessness, uh, history, the future. Um, so you you're also seeing a kind of uh, a kind of lyrical uh, lining up here too. It isn't about cars and girls. It isn't about the present day. It isn't about present day politics. Uh, it is essentially about uh, timeless themes. Um, uh, you know, loosely you could put it under the umbrella of fantasy. But yes. Leaning into science fiction, leaning into mythology. So both bands are about this kind of thing. Um, so yeah, let's. I'm going to make a couple other points, but uh, but let's move on to our 
a fourth song here uh, in History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Take a, take a listen to this. This is uh, Judas Priest again with Hero's End. Right. I've always loved that song. I I've, I think it's great. To me, it's always felt like a riff that was written in reverse kind of thing. It, it just it just sounds backwards, but it sounds really, really cool. But I wanted to pick it. Uh, well, I wanted to pick it for a for a fancy pants little reason. And that's because Rush had a song called Nobody's Hero and this is called Hero's End. But no, the main reason I wanted to pick this is because it represents um the idea of Judas Priest as one of the very tight few, and all of them are a little divergent, but but a progressive heavy metal band. Um, you know, they became essentially progressive heavy metal with their first album, um, Rockerola. You know, you could say the second album's a little bit progressive heavy metal, but their most progressive heavy metal album would be 1977 Sin After Sin. This is off of Stained Class, which is also quite a progressive heavy metal album. They get a little less progressive as we move on, but of course, Rush is the number one main band you think of when you think of progressive heavy metal. They're the they're the guys that invented progressive metal so their form is uh, is much more closer to prog rock with uh, with long songs and strange time signatures and uh, and and themes really stretched out and a lot busier playing out of their drummer and their bass player but you know i would say that rush's guitar work through alex um is not any more progressive than the sum total of the K.K. Downing, uh, Downing, Glenn Tipton, uh, you know, melange of, uh, of guitar things that they do, whether it's the complicated riffs, um, whether it's their really cool soloing, uh, a lot of passages in these songs. Uh, so Judas Priest's form of being a, being a progressive heavy metal band is essentially that they are the most... Um, the most advanced, the most scientific, young, fast, and scientific, as the dictators would say, um, the the most progressive and complicated form of pure heavy metal. I mean, you don't get a lot of crazy time signatures in Priest. You do get some, but but Rush definitely feels Rush really does feel like a band that is essentially we're going to be yes or Genesis, but we're going to put it through a distortion pedal. That's really the the bottom line um, that I think of Rush. They are a progressive rock band, but they want to use heaviness in the making of their progressive rock. Judas Priest, on the other hand, is a heavy metal band that uh, that wants to be fancy and tricky and advanced and intellectual with what they're doing. Both from a lyrical end, but but uh, certainly from a musical end, it is it is pretty you know goes over the head stuff. If you think of Sin After Sin, they've got Simon Phillips in there as almost like a fusion drummer, uh, and there is some re- pretty wacky drumming on that album. But you know you can you can almost understand why this band wasn't uh, particularly huge yet. And, you know I want to make another point here, and again I want to I want to you know be a little illustrative and instructive about the seventies. I mean. Judas Priest is making really complicated music. So is Rush. 
Remember what happened with uh, with Caress of Steel and then with 2112, they put they put their foot down and said, you know, we're going to do this no matter what. But it is music that is pretty challenging. And uh, and and both bands are basically saying, you know what, we're going to we're going to make we're going to be craft uh, oriented. We're going to create quality. We're going to challenge listeners. We think heavy metal fans can take a little more, uh, than bad company, uh, essentially, or, or Ted Nugent or kiss, uh, in, into, into their lives. And so we are going to treat them with a little more respect and bring this complicated music. And to the label's credit, CBS, uh, Columbia in Priest's case, um, Mercury in in Russia's case, um, they kept these bands on, and that was something that you saw in the seventies. You you know it wasn't one and done. Uh, you know, because there's so many bands lining up to do this, there weren't a lot of great great bands. So essentially, um, bands were given a shot to experiment and and stick around, and they and it wasn't just. Uh, you know, hanging over their heads wasn't this sword uh, a saying, you know, that basically, you know, if you don't have a hit right now, you're over with. There was always that pressure and, you know, there was pressure to to write hit songs, but it wasn't, you know, undue pressure and pressure that bands, you know, gave into every time or had to give into as we see with the careers of, uh, of Rush and Judas Priest. You know, and where are we at this point? Um, you know, so I just played Heroes End. This is 1978. Um, you know, we've, we've gone through 1976. Where is my date comparison I wanted to make here? Oh, yeah, there it is. Um, uh, no, there it isn't. Uh, February 15th. Oh, yeah, so it is. So it is uh, with, uh, yeah, it is with our 1978 albums. Um, so, so essentially... Um, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was October 78. I don't know. Let's forget the date thing. Uh, you know, in most cases, <laughs> you know, we're lining up with our years here and we're lining up with our eras. And it, and it is quite impressive the way it lines up. But when it comes down to the months, uh, only one album kind of overlapped with uh, with one coming out one week uh, or the next week. Anyways, um, so yeah, so so we are lining up with our eras here. We're lining up with the early stuff. We're lining up with the definitive album and we are lining up with uh, with the complicated years. And that's the point I want to drive home with our last song here on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Take a listen to this. This is Rush with Circumstances. All right, so I wanted to pick circumstances because uh, it is uh, the name of this episode as well. Uh, you know, circumstances. We are talking about the circumstances of both of these bands in the 70s and how their careers lined up. Um, but I also wanted to pick it because uh, it is uh, a record that comes out the same year as Stained Class. Now, you could you could argue that uh, that Stained Class is the most complicated Priest album, or you could say Sin After Sin is, but you can have that exact same conversation with Rush. They're two most complicated albums. They're, they're hardest to play for the band to put together, um, and their most proggy albums are 77's 
a farewell to kings and 78s and uh, hemispheres. And with Priest, it's also their 77 album, Sin After Sin, and their 78 album, Stained Class. And, uh, and as I was saying, uh, both uh, hemispheres and farewell to kings were made at Rockfield and Priest had recorded at Rockfield as well. Um, so there you go. Uh, I, you know, and, and a point I want to make also about where these bands are with their careers. So, so Rush is still, I would say Rush is a little bit of, ahead of where Priest is at this point. They've also crammed in an extra, what is it, one, two studio albums. Uh, but, but essentially Rush is kind of well on their way because they had you know, a bit of a minor hit with 2112. So they're kind of in good shape. Priest, on the other hand, has not seen a hit yet. They are they are literally, you know, the quintessential 70s band who are at this point where, my God, we've made uh, Rockerola, we've made Sad Wings. We've, uh, you know, we had one career blip where, where after Sad Wings, we got our major label deal. So they are now distributed uh, all over the place. They're on CBS. But, you know, Sin After Sin isn't a big hit. Stained Class isn't a big hit. They squeeze in another album in 78. So essentially, they do that other 70s thing that I wanted to talk about. You know, uh, an interesting thing about the 70s is how hard they worked. They were always touring. They just jumped off the road to make another record. So, you know, Kiss has uh, two albums in one year. Rush does it in uh, in 1974. hang on hang on 75 rush does it in 75 with fly by night and caress of steel priest doesn't do it early on priest is a little little less active in the early days but they do get two records in in 1978 with uh with stained class at the beginning of the year and then before the year is out they finish uh and release uh killing machine in uh, in uh, in the UK, and then it comes out as Hellbent for Leather just into the new year, 1979, in America. So this is when they have their busy period. So yeah, that's another thing that 70s bands often did. Um, they they could they could be good for two records in one year. It didn't happen a lot. It happens less often than you know people think about when they look back with rosy rosy glasses. Um, but they also um, but they also uh, squeeze in live albums, and that that is the last point I wanted to make. So another comparison between Rush in the seventies and Priest in the seventies is they both put out their most beloved live album. You know I I think with Priest. You know, for sure, for sure with Priest, Unleashed in the East is considered a, a, a complete, you know, Blitzkrieg classic. It's it's only a single album, um, but uh, it is considered their classic. You know, certainly um, uh, Priest Live uh, 87, I believe, is is considered the bloated corporate album. And Rush has the exact same thing that happens. All the World's a Stage is the most beloved album. Now, it might not be considered as much of a classic as Unleashed in the East. The band always looked down on it. Um, you know, the fans are not as crazy about All the World's a Stage as Priest fans are crazy about Unleashed in the East. That is like unarguable a classic. Um, but, you know, Rush also has their bloated corporate live album. They actually have two of them, which are kind of like not considered great live albums. So it's Exit Stage Left um, in 81, I believe, and then Show of Hands uh, later in the decade, which are both considered, eh, they're okay, whatever. So they're, you know, there's the comparison between that and Priest Live. But yeah, Priest and... um 
and and, uh, and Rush both have beloved live albums in the 70s. And another interesting point, I think you could say that, uh, you know, the record 2112 dominates the Rush live album. And you could say that the record Sad Wings of Destiny, uh, you know, gives us the highlights from the Priest live album. So there you go. Um, you know, I'll cheat a little bit. Uh, I did call this Circumstances Rush and Judas Priest in the 70s. But just to make uh, one kind of closing point, and we'll only dip into the 80s for this. Well, no, I'll, I'll say a couple things about the 80s. So both bands, it's interesting, essentially break big time in 1980. Uh, Judas Priest with British Steel and uh, Rush with Moving Pictures. So all of a sudden, both bands are both pretty big bands. And interestingly enough, both bands in their peak period are roughly the same size. You know, one band is not way bigger than the other. Um, so so we're talking from, from, for Priest, it would be from British Steel through to, say, the end of uh, Defenders and maybe a little bit into Turbo. Rush, it's from, uh, it's from uh, Moving Pictures into, say, Power Windows. Uh, they're essentially, they're all playing the same size venues, the big hockey barns all over North America. You know, that's another thing these 70s bands did. They toured really hard in America. And, and Rush is definitely the bigger example of that than Priest. But, of course, they're closer being from Toronto, which is practically in America. It's below the, uh, you know, the 49th parallel. So Rush spent a lot of time in the States, but so did Priest, and they played a lot of the same kinds of bills, um, you know, they, you know, be, beginning as sort of sandwich bands or whatever, and then working their way up and playing the theater. So they all did that same sort of circuit. But yeah, I, I thought that was another interesting comparison, that, that they both hit, they both basically, uh, you know, hit big in exactly the same year. And the other thing that's kind of interesting is that... Um, you know, Judas Priest kind of hit with this really slimming down and simplifying of their sound into shorter songs, shorter sound bites. You know, in the Rush narrative, that is a narrative that is really applied quite often to something like Spirit of Radio. But let's face it, I mean, Rush didn't really, I think that's a little bit overblown. I mean, Permanent Waves is a very proggy album. I think, uh, you know, um, Moving Pictures is a very proggy album. But having said that, you know, they had short, sensible, logical songs in these massive, massive hits that filled up uh, the side with uh, Tom Sawyer and Red Barquetta and, um, you know, Limelight and even YYZ. Um, YYZ, uh, essentially, uh, so, so they, they arrived at kind of the same thing, but, but definitely by signals, they were into that. And then they proved that all through the rest of, uh, of the eighties. So, so that's another comparison they had. They both got, uh, both bands got less proggy in the eighties, put it that way. And another small point to make a little bit of an asterisk, um, both bands experimented with eighties production values and both bands experimented with keyboards. I mean, Priest, not so much keyboards it was more electronic drums drum machines which you hear on ram it down uh the synth guitars uh that you hear on on turbo and uh, and you know while rush went wholesale into keyboards and electronic drums um and 80s production values you know priest's 80s production values were more like that that bizarre tom allen mech mechanistic sound that you get on screaming and uh, and defenders you know turbo is odd again ram it down is odd again rush rush is more they went in a in a poppy 80s production sound but yes another comparison they both bands kind of dove wholesale 
into different uh, aspects of the 80s. But we are getting ahead of ourselves. This was, after all, called uh, Circumstances, Russian Judas Priest in the 70s. Hope you liked that. Hope you realized uh, that there were a lot of cool comparisons. And again, you know, another kind of slightly more elevated point that I wanted to make is that these two bands we're comparing are both progressive heavy metal bands. You know, Priest doesn't really get called that often enough. I think they should be. Um, you know, we've talked in previous episodes how there really aren't too many bands that you could put in this category in the 70s. You know, I always think of Sticks and Kansas and a little bit of King Crimson, but really there's nothing very close. And 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 frankly, those three bands compared to Rush, I don't think Judas Priest compared to Rush is is too much farther away. It's just coming in from a from a different uh, angle, from the heavy metal angle. All right, so we will wrap it up there. Um, you know, please join up at our Facebook page for this uh, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. It's a very, it's a very, you know, busy, active Facebook page. I got a lot of smart, smart listeners there uh, who are constantly, um, you know, commenting and uh, telling me when I slip up or 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 giving me suggestions or telling me things I missed. Uh, great suggestions for shows there. You can go to my regular Facebook page. You can also go to martinpopoff.com where uh, all my books are for sale that I mail order right out of my office here. I sign them all. Uh, the latest is the very fast-selling Merciful Fate book, the Rainbow Update book. I've got both Maidens still. I've got both Priest, Black Sabbath, Sabotage is now back in stock as well through my fine UK publisher, Weimer. Uh, they just put that out again on the uh, on the birthday of the Black Sabbath album, February 13th, uh, 1970. So it's been uh, 50 years exactly, um, just, just last week. Um, so there you go. Thanks again. This was Circumstances, Russian Judas Priest in the 70s. Hope you had fun going down this rabbit hole with me. We shall talk to you next time. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. Life's never felt so expensive, and most people are cautious about spending. But IKEA's always been the smart choice for creating beautiful homes on a budget. Right now, IKEA family members can save even more with an extra 5% in-store on eligible purchases. Visit ikea-usa.com family for more details. Offer valid starting September 1st, 2022. Limited to qualifying purchases. Exclusion supply. Not valid on services. Discount applied in-store only. Before tax, shipping, and handling. Cannot be combined with coupons. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 